Hi, I'm Brian Levant, the director of many of your favorites from the blockbuster era. And I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining me for episode 481 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemarak, and this week on On Screen and Beyond, Brian Levant is going to be joining us. He's the director of movies such as The Flintstones, The Spy Next Door, Beethoven, the new Leave it to Beaver, and of course, the traditional movie at this time of year, Jingle All the Way. And he was a writer for Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, Still the Beaver, and so many other TV shows and movies. Brian Levant's going to be coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Get ready for a great show. And we're also going to be looking at January releases in theaters and on Blu-ray and DVD. It's going to be a wild one. Get ready for it. Episode 481 of On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, let's find out what's coming away as far as remakes in theaters in January. Remake Madness coming your way in January in theaters as far as remakes? Nada. Not a thing coming your way as far as remakes. Uh, that's a little unusual, but uh, not so much for this time of year. And uh, what do you say? Let's get right into it. What's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? Always some of those coming our way right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies, well, traditionally, January's not uh, the busiest month as far as new releases, but uh, we have a new upcoming movie, a few of them. Liam Neeson will star in The Commuter on January 12th as a businessman is dragged into criminal activity on his commute home. And Taraji P. Henson stars in Proud Mary on January 12th in a uh, story about a hit woman. And 12 Strong stars Chris Hemsworth on January 19th as a team of CIA agents and special forces head to Afghanistan. And look for Gerard Butler on January 19th to star in Den of Thieves. It's considered a gritty crime drama. And that's it for upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in January. As far as sequels, let's find out what's coming your way as far as sequels in theaters in January Next on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, as far as sequels coming your way in theaters in January, Insidious, The Last Key. Always makes you laugh when they say the last, because you know it's not going to be the last one, no way. Anyways, it arrives on January 5th. Paddington 2 will make his appearance on January 12th, and Maze Runner. The Death Cure continues the story as Thomas sets out to cure a deadly disease. That comes our way on January 26th. 
That's it for upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in January. Next on On Screen and Beyond, why don't we take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, January 2nd. Look for Death Valley Days, the complete 14th season. And on January 9th, Ronan Martin's Laugh-In Season 2 and Girlfriends, the complete series. January 16th, SWAT, the complete series. And January 23rd, The Paper Chase Season 4. And uh, on January 30th, Ray Donovan is Season 5 coming our way. That's it. That's what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in January. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD coming your way in stores in January. Looks like January 2nd you can get American Made with Tom Cruise and Battle of the Sexes with Steve Carell. And on January 9th, It will be coming our way, along with The Foreigner. And on January 16th, Blade Runner 2049, and Happy Death Day, and The Snowman. And on January 23rd, Jigsaw, Geostorm. Thank you for your service. And also, we are going to be having coming our way, Goodbye Christopher Robin. January 30th, you can look for Boo 2. Medea Halloween, and uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman will be coming your way on January 30th. That is it for Movies on DVD in the stores coming our way in the month of January. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. It looks like Mr. Robot has been renewed for a fourth season over at the USA Network. And Boss Baby, Trolls, and Captain Underpants are all getting spin-off TV shows on Netflix. And Netflix also has renewed The Punisher for a second season. That's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get a tummy ache and you moan and groan and woe, don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthdays. It looks like on December 18th, Brad Pitt turns 54. Steven Spielberg turns 71. On December 19th, Jake Gyllenhaal turns 37. And on December 20th, Jonah Hill turns 34. December 21st, Samuel L. Jackson turns 69. And Jane Fonda turns 80. On December 22nd, Diane Sawyer turns 72. And on December 23rd, Susan Lucci turns 71. And on December 24th, it is Ryan Seacrest turning 43 years old. And as far as listener birthdays, uh, it looks like Nicole T. of Austin, Texas, will be turning 47 on December 22nd. I want to wish uh, Nicole a very happy birthday, along with all our celebrities. And uh, also, I uh, want to remind you that if you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday, send the information to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll all be wishing you a very happy birthday from all the listeners all over the world listening to On Screen and Beyond. 
Well, that's it. All right, we are getting ready to speak with Brian Levant. He's the director of Jingle All the Way, timely movie for this time of year, of course. Every year we see it on TV. And he was also the director of The Flintstones, The Spy Next Door with Jackie Chan, Beethoven, uh, the new Leave It to Beaver. He was uh, so many other things he was involved with. He was writing stories and things for TV shows and movies, too. Happy Days, Mork and Mindy. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Brian Levant, coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is a director, a writer, a producer, and he has given us many movies including Beethoven, The Flintstones, The Spy Next Door, and Jingle All the Way. He also has written for many TV shows including Mork and Mindy and Happy Days. It's Brian Levant. Brian, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be anywhere. <laughs> now, now, Brian, looking at your credits, when I found that I, I could connect with you, it was like, okay, this is a no-brainer. i got to get Brian on here. <laughs> yeah. well, you're not fighting off a, a, a lot of other shows <laughs> for my time. So let's start off with, I mean, like I said, you're, you're a director, you're a producer, sure. and, and writer. But let's start way back at the very beginning when you when you were in school. W was this something that you wanted to do? Well, you know, it, it, uh, my mother just passed away, and I had occasion oh, to look at the, everything in her house. And, and in my baby book, my first sentence was, uh, uh, Say Kids What Timey Is, <laughs> uh, which was a take on Howdy Doody, Say Kids What Time Is It. My nursery school teacher, I was four years old, said I was going to grow up to be a TV impresario like Sal Hurok. My mother made note that I imitated all the characters on TV. I, when I was eight, I submitted my first jokes to a TV show and was writing skits for Cub Scouts. One of them, actually, is not bad in, in hindsight. Uh, and uh, when I was 12, I was already a hardened... Uh, uh, a junior high newspaper veteran, and I started making films. And I just continued and continued and always told people and knew that uh, this is what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, I was just teaching at my alma mater, strangely enough. Uh, and uh, and one of the girls I went to school with said, you know, you're the only person I've ever known who, who did what they said they were going to do. <laughs> uh, so so I... I believe I'm very determined, but I was also very focused and always building towards something and still learning and still enjoying it. So. Wow. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you were making films back then. Uh, for some of our younger listeners... Uh, uh, that's they, Super 8 film. Exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, no, I, uh, it's ridiculous. I just, ha I just had someone transfer uh, all, all my... All my, all my uh, uh, home movies and stuff, and they transferred 16 millimeter, uh, 8 millimeter, Super 8, Super 8 sound, uh, uh, Betamax, VHS, VHS C, <laughs> High 8, High uh, digital High 8, uh, VHS C, uh, and and Porta Pack tapes. Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's you you got me on Porta Pack. What's Porta Pack? Uh, Porta Pack uh, was the first uh, non-commercial. 
video, portable videotape recorders. Hmm. Uh, Michael Schamberg, who later became a significant film producer, uh, 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 really created a movement where, where for the first time, you, people could could operate the same way news teams could, and they could uh, one man could go out and shoot a documentary by themselves, ah. and uh, it was a great tool in, in the evolution of video. Hmm. Now, when you look back at some of those early things you did in junior high school, has there ever been any that you've looked at and you said, I could make that into a regular movie now? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I see I see a tremendous amount of incompetence and, and, and occasional glimpses of promise. That's all I can say about that stuff. I was never the, the best DP. I, I, my home movies and my kids are terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm very lucky to have worked with, with great DPs and, and people who light beautifully and, 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 and you know, you know, it just shows, you know, yeah. you, you, one person can't do everything. You right. know? I mean, some people do, but I certainly couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, did directing come first or writing or what directing? Was... No, I really set out to be a comedy writer, you know, like many, like many other people of my generation. When you grew up watching the Dick Van Dyke show every mm -hmm. day, when it went into syndication in about 65, uh, before it went off the air, uh, that, that, that you saw people sitting in a room throwing darts, uh, uh, hula hoops, dancing, doing impressions, insulting people, <laughs> uh, and occasionally it seemed like uh, writing under pressure, uh, where they seemed to do their best work. So this seemed to be a very appealing lifestyle, and the amazing thing was it was true, and you know, uh, uh, and and it really was a, a, a great time to be a young staff writer and and work with a lot of the people who made the Dick Van Dyke Show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, jeez. Now, what was the first TV show that you actually started writing for? Uh, I, I was in town. I moved here in June of 1975, and in August I sold something to the National Lampoon. And in September I was a researcher on a five-day David Steinberg uh, daytime talk show pilot hmm. for NBC. Uh, and that was very unsuccessful, and I was lost in and uh, I was much better for me. I talked my way into the Jeffersons and sold them a story. And, uh, and I had written a story that I sold to uh, an old Danny Thomas show uh, that was actually very good called The Practice uh, about, about an old, uh, old Brooklyn physician and his Park Avenue uh, uh, doctor son, hmm. uh, which was very nice. And then... Steve Zacharias, whose younger brother I had grown up with and who wrote for the Partridge Family and Happy Days and later created and, and uh, all, all, all the uh, Revenge of the Nerd films. Oh, wow. And now teaches in Chicago back there. And he took me to Gary Marshall's Saturday morning basketball game. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I had, I had heard about it, certainly, you know. The, the Gary, I did not know that he had played at Northwestern at the time, and I walk in there, you know, 22 years old, and there's Elliot Gould and James Kahn. Wow. <laughs> and uh, these guys played hard and rough, and so I, my game fit right in, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I guess I didn't know that Gary had played at Northwestern. He, you know, had about six inches on me, and I guarded him and really, really did a pretty decent job on him uh, and, uh, and and shot the ball well for for a change, uh, maybe the last time. <laughs> and at the end of he waddles over to, so what do you do? And I told him, you know, that I was in the Writers Guild and trying to become a comedy writer, and, and he... He has said to call up Bob Brunner and Arthur Silver on Monday and make a story meeting. Wow. Uh, so I did so. They And I came in and sat down with them and immediately realized that these men did not want to be in a room with some 22-year-old long-haired kid that Gary Marshall met on the, on the basketball court. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and uh, despite that, I sold them the first story that that I pitched, and uh, and did the outline that went okay. And for the first time, I was allowed to to uh, write the, the the teleplay, you know, the entire script for mm-hmm. a story that I had created. And I did a really really terrible job. And they said, "Thanks a lot. We'll take it from here." And uh, and that literally should have been the end of my career. Um, Happy Days at the time, you know, was the number two show to its spinoff, Laverne and Shirley, which was in its, uh, 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 they did 13 shows their first season, so it was their first full season uh, that year, and as there were more sets on at 8.30, I guess, they, uh, that's why they took the lead o- over their sister show, as it were. Hmm. So, um, anyway, just a, a bit of background for your younger viewers, uh, <laughs> listeners, sorry. But uh, Gary Marshall saw a glimmer of hope in my writing, and he had Bob Brunner call me up and invite me in to, quote, observe uh, the week they put my show into production and to watch that staff and the producers, Gary, Jerry Paris, who uh, the director and producer mm-hmm. who was uh, who played Jerry Jerry uh, Halper, the dentist uh, on the Dick, Dick Van Dyke, Dyke Show, and yes. directed the last few seasons uh, of that show. Uh, and Eddie Milkis, who was uh, started his career as an assistant editor on North by Northwest, and was the associate producer of Star Trek, and and, <laughs> and, uh, and ran, had run all of Post at Paramount as well, and was a very creative and wonderful man. And, Lowell Gans, uh, along with his then partner Mark Rothman, who had created Laverne and Shirley, and and later, uh, you know, Lowell wrote Splash and Parenthood and, and and all the great Billy Crystal movies. Anyway, so so I'm sitting there like a sponge, trying to listen and see what they were doing that I couldn't quite figure out. And uh, I learned enough that the following year I did nothing in between. They asked me back to pitch again. I sold them the first story I pitched, and this, they let me do the screenplay, and I'd learned enough so that when I turned it in, uh, they gave me a staff job. Wow. Uh, and uh, basically within the year, I, I don't think anyone would argue with this, I started to move my way up to, you know, really one of the head writers of the show. And uh, the following season, uh, uh, you know, I'd been bumped up to a story editor during the season, and got another bump the next year, and Ron Levitt uh, uh, and I 
Iran went on to create Married with Children, and I don't need dinner, and Silver Spoons, and, mm -hmm. and, and was an amazing, amazing talent who died much too young. Uh, we wrote a show for NBC. Uh, uh, Animal House was the big deal. Every network had, had a ripoff. Right. Ours was on NBC. It sold. It debuted after the Super Bowl. It barely lasted 13 weeks. It was a terrible experience. What, what was the name of that one? I'm trying to think. The Brothers and Sisters. Okay. <laughs> I, I barely remember the title. You're lucky. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, I had to leave Happy Days uh, mm -hmm. for that. And uh, and I was really thrilled uh, after years of working after that on various Paramount shows and did two wonderful seasons uh, on the Bad News Bears CBS series starring mm -hmm. young Corey Feldman and Christoph St. John. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and I did uh, Mork and Mindy for two years as well. Did you get to meet... Uh, uh, first as a, as, a, as a creative consultant and then the last season where we brought on Jonathan Winters and uh, got Mork and Mindy married and honeymooning on Ork and <laughs> having having a child who we, we remember... In Orkin life, you age backwards. So, yeah. Did you get so to that work? That allowed us to have mirth. Yeah. Did you, know, you get to work with a, with yes. Jonathan and uh, uh, Robin Williams? Yeah. Yes. And poor Pam. <laughs> Between those two. Masks. I can't imagine. <laughs> it, was, it was. They were hysterical. And and today I kill. I kick myself constantly because in in between scenes. Jonathan and Robin would play for the audience, and they just let their minds go wherever it went. And, and sometimes it was amazing. Jeez. And all we had, we had microphones there. We had tape running. They had Glenn Glenn sound. All I had to say was, just swing it over there and record it. And we could have had one of the best comedy albums of all time. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. It was, it, was, it, was like, it was like nothing you've ever seen. Hmm. I, I, they were they're just so imaginative and and the way they developed a, a harmony to work with each other uh, it was much better than what was ever on screen I'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah did they have a big respect for each other oh uh Jonathan was Robin's idol yeah 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 I mean no, you, uh, you felt that you know from I'm when not going to say that it, that it wasn't an incentive uh, you know to help Robin you know <laughs> uh, 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 still be excited about the fourth season of the TV show when he was off doing garp and Popeye and things like that mm. on his hiatuses yeah yeah jeez hmm. so uh, now uh, here you are working on those shows now you also worked uh, wrote uh, still the beaver and, uh, right, yeah, no, when I, I went back to Happy Days, and Fred Fox and I uh, ran the show, uh, the final two seasons, culminating in, uh, in Joni and Chachi's wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, and in the last season, we did a, an amazing show called Welcome Home, where, where Ron Howard and Donnie Most came back for uh, two episodes that we shot in one week. And it was a... a a great show, and it just showed, you know, how strong that show was at its peak. I mean, when we did a when we did a kick-ass episode on Happy Days, man, they were great. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the year oh, yeah. before we did, Tom Hanks did an episode as an old nemesis of Fonzie's, uh, and and you know, once in a while, 
once in a while I get really, really crank crank one out of the park. Hmm. Uh, 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 you know, and this is years after supposedly we jumped the shark. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Did you write to jump the shark? No, God, no, no. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, I was the new man on the show, and, 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 you know, in my family, we would always say, when a show goes to Hollywood, you know, <laughs> you know they're on the downhill side of their run, <laughs> and they're my first week on Happy Days, they're going to Hollywood. Oh, so, <laughs> but I was, uh, my first day on the set as a writer, the first day they allowed me to be, the, you know, the on-set writer, because we were off campus, right? We were at Paradise Cove uh, at the beach, and you know Henry had strange skills. Henry Henry could fence. Henry could <laughs> Henry could water ski. Mm-hmm. You know he he never had played baseball until 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 Ron taught him, and then he became a tremendous pitcher for the softball team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but so you built things around what people can do, mm-hmm. and and he was a pretty damn good water skier. Uh, and Gary had that old jump the shark. You know, we were still in the in the post Jaws world. Yeah. And uh, and that was my first day on set. Was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> huh. so, yeah. Now, when you mentioned you, 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 Tom Hanks was on the show. I don't remember yeah. that episode. But but now, when as a writer, were you writing and saying we want Tom Hanks for that, or did you just Tom? Write- Tom? Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, so I had done a series. With Peter Scolari, yeah, uh, at Paramount, and then he went to Bosom Buddies, and you mm-hmm. know Peter, being a juggler, you know him and Tom would uh, he taught Tom how to juggle, so they could do pins, and so they're always in Lucy Park, the uh, little area outside of the old Desi Lou building where Desi Arnaz had his office, with a back door to sneak women in. Uh, but they were always out there juggling, and you know, I talked to Peter, and then we got to know Tom. And a couple times when the Happy Days softball team we played on the road as an opening act in 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 charity games, everywhere from the Superdome to Albuquerque, and been, uh, mainly we played as an opening act for major league teams, mm-hmm. uh, not for money or anything, just because we loved. <laughs> Doing it in happy days were people who wanted to give back to their fans, and this was one of the ways to do that. And so many weekends we'd shoot a show on on Thursday night instead of Friday, jump on a plane on <laughs> on Friday morning and say fly to New York, and and then and then Saturday night have a game and Phil, uh, play at Philadelphia Stadium, Veterans Stadium, in front of 57,000 people, and then the next day. Play at Shea Stadium uh, <laughs> in front of, of fifty six thousand people, and, uh, and then jump on a plane and go back to work the next day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we, we, you know, went on tours. And the last one was Japan and Okinawa Jeez. after you know the day after the series ended. Uh, and so these were people who didn't who who really loved being with each other. Yeah. Uh, but I forget what we talking. So anyways, when we were shorthanded. Uh, uh, we'd ask people we knew, and 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 Tom and Peter came with us a couple times hmm. on the road. I think to Portland once, and uh, and maybe down to Anaheim as well. Jeez, that's you guys and were all. So, you know, they were friends of the show. Everybody, you know, you see at Paramount, shows used to share the the cafeteria. So if you shot on Tuesday night, it you you know it was it was uh, Laverne and Shirley and Angie. 
and, and the, the Brady Brides, mm-hmm. and, and if you ate on Fridays, it was, it was Bosom Buddies and Taxi and Happy Days and Family Ties, and everybody was all in the cafeteria together. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and you got to remember, those days, Paramount, A, number one in the top five shows uh, uh, were all comedies, and they were... Four out of, uh, of the five were comedies. I mm-hmm. think 60 Minutes was in there still. Uh, but And they were all made at Paramount. Yeah. And it was a factory. At one point, I think they had 13 half hours. They could never sell hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Until MacGyver. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, now, when you did Still the Beaver, and then right. later on you did... Yeah. Um, oh, we were getting back to Beaver, yes. So, my favorite TV show, watched the premiere on, on October 8th. 1957, we just had the 60th anniversary, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And we had a nice lunch. Uh, Tony Dow and some of the new Beaver writers went out and had a very good time. Uh, But, uh, you know, and one of the first things when I moved out here, I made a list and and, uh, of things I wanted to do. And at the top of it was a Leave it to Beaver revival. When I was 16 years old, I remember very distinctly sitting in my friend the Cone Twins' parents' den, watching as we did in the winter in those days, uh, watching Beaver after school, which Mm -hmm. was a lovely island of sanity in a world where everybody's parents were getting divorced and we were in the middle of, uh, you know, the the drug culture sweeping in and, and, and there was, you know, trouble on every campus and the anti-war movement. Uh, and so Beaver just seemed like this little, little lovely place to spend a, a half hour every day. Mm-hmm. And so we watched it religiously. And I remember at one point saying to myself, gee, I wonder what those guys are doing today. And that became a seed uh, that, that uh, I said, well, what are they doing today? And I made it up and, and, I, and I waited until I had a little juice till I was, you know, writing on Happy Days. And that began a five-year odyssey to get it uh, on the air as a movie of the week, mm-hmm. CBS, although the movie of the week uh, was the second highest rated MOW of the year. Wow. And, uh, and in the overnight markets, you know, there are only three networks. And right. You, but, uh, you know, they had 50, 60 shares in, in all eight overnight markets in the last half hour, which was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of started the revival business. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. So, anyways, I capitalized on the revival business. We sold it to the Disney Channel, and we made 26 really good shows. And they canceled us. And Universal, <laughs> just uh, you know, feeling stubborn and fighting with Disney, said, "Oh yeah, we'll just keep making it. We don't even want an outlet. We'll just keep making it." And they kept making it. And finally, Ted Turner came along and gave us the largest at that time, order in television history for wow. 72 more episodes. Jeez. So uh, we had a great run, and it was, uh, you know, a dream come true. Uh, you know, I'd gone from one <laughs> one TV family who'd had a life for five years without me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to another one who'd had, had a life for six years without me and <laughs> many decades since then it took a while to, took longer to, to earn their confidence and for them to truly believe that I had their best interests uh, at, at heart and uh, 
You know, when when someone comes over to your house and you got a, a Leave It to Beaver collection and they look at you like, wait, so I'm in your collection. Is, that like, <laughs> <laughs> is this what this is about? I'm <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but uh, I, I love the people, and I love the kids. We're all still very close. Uh, several of them have worked for me as editors, as associate producers. Uh, they're, they're talented uh, uh, people. Yeah. And uh, we the writers from the new series get together quite regularly, often with cast members. Wow. Now, I noticed that a lot of the films that you did were were revivals of old TV shows, and, and af- by looking at them, they seem to be shows that you, I'm thinking you grew up with, like you said, Happy, uh, not Happy. Sure, so, no, the Flintstones the, on 19, what is it, some te- September 12th, 1960, I believe, yeah, no, I, Flintstones, I saw yeah, and the all, swimming pool. <laughs> also Scooby-Doo. Uh, well, yes, you know, let me tell you something about Scooby. All right, and, and now, I, you know, we'll talk about the Flintstones, I hope, but, but as long as you mention Scooby-Doo, because, you know, you, you're talking about things that I, I love, the Flintstones, you know, so close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Beaver, same thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, uh, and Happy Days, you know, literally, literally, like, uh, still feel like, like, like family to them, uh, genuinely, <laughs> but the kind you don't fight with. Uh, <laughs> and now you come to Scooby, and and uh, we're just coming out of the writer's strike, and I, and I heard that it was there, and I actually had to learn the kids' names. <laughs> <laughs> and Daphne, and I got to the meeting, and I still couldn't remember Daphne's name. Uh, <laughs> I knew Shaggy, I knew Scooby, uh, it was Daphne, I think there was a real problem. Anyways, it wasn't, I wasn't a student of it. Uh, and I think actually in that case, it worked kind of to our advantage. So uh, on the 40th anniversary, we came out with, with uh, you know, what, what do you call it? The pilot for Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. about how, how these four kids met for, you know, a jock, uh, a, 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 a female math nerd, uh, a, a God knows how you, how one would describe Shaggy <laughs> and, and, and Daphne's drama queen, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 a stray dog, and how they all became Mystery Incorporated, and and so we followed them on their first case, and uh, and it was uh, and it was tremendous uh, uh, opportunity and storytelling to back into what what we know. And, and at the same time to do what we did with the Flintstones and what I learned on the Flintstones about transposing Hanna-Barbera's work and, and how to remain very true to it while trying to expand their vision mm-hmm. and contemporize it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, I can tell that you were doing shows, you know, at that time you were doing shows that meant something to you because they were just fun shows when you grew up. Well, I, you know, I, 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 gr- my growing up is is a matter of opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so now, with all the things you've done, and there's still some more I want to talk about, but uh, but with all the the ones you've done, uh, it, this is probably a tough question because uh, is there any that's your favorite? Well, you know, you, you know, you have to treat these things like your children. You have mm-hmm. to love them all equally. Uh, but but 
you know, I mean, there are things about them that, uh, about so many of them that, you know, were so distinctive. You know, the, uh, working with Steven Spielberg and and his, basically, you know, he had assembled the top people in, in, in all the fields of mm-hmm. uh, filmmaking and, and, and putting that crew at, at my service uh, 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 of my vision uh, uh, of the Flintstones. You know, uh, you know, it's like Orson Welles used to say, um, you know, a movie studio is yeah, the, the best toy a boy can have. Mm. Well, that year I certainly had the best toy box. Uh, maybe ever, <laughs> because today you wouldn't make the Flintstones like that. You wouldn't build bedrock. You'd build doors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know? right. you wouldn't build. You wouldn't build the 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 the, the I think altogether for both Flintstone films, the 45 or so animatronic creatures that were created and and puppeteered by the Henson Creature Shop people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and. And in that way, you lose a lot of the individual personality. Now, what happens to all those things that you made for these movies? Uh, you know, <laughs> you made a lot of money <laughs> for all those little servo motors and stuff that they put in everything. And then they take them out and they put them in the next one. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere there's some skins. I used to have a piece of Dino. It finally deteriorated uh. <laughs> <laughs> so badly. <laughs> huh. Jeez, I mean that's great. It's it's you know, and uh, I can tell you're really you you enjoyed what you were doing, and that's that's really good. I hope it shows in, in the film. I tried to make to make uh, uh, people running around barefoot in a quarry, stepping on rocks all day, wearing animal skins, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and and you know, in, in 120 degrees. Uh, I tried to make that as fun as it could be, but it was it was tough. You go home, you know, literally, you're working in a rock quarry all day. You go home and you just kind of take a paint scraper and you go over your arms with just layer of dust, layer of sunscreen, dust, sunscreen, <laughs> and just <laughs> whittle away at it. Wow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, here we are. We're getting into the Christmas season here, the holiday yeah. season. And Jingle All the Way, you worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yes. What was that experience like? It was, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was real challenging because uh, they were on a suicide schedule, uh, meaning that they're that that I think our post-production period was eight weeks or something like that, 12 at most, uh, including all the sound work and stuff, you know, and you had hundreds and hundreds of CGI shots, and you're very, you know, you're, you're it, it, it's still kind of a primitive process. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that uh, Jingle was the first film I'd, I'd cut on Avid even. Wow. You know, that's how long ago, uh, 20, 20 years, 22 years is. Um, but you know, I loved Arnold. I loved the the challenge. It was the challenge. You know, I, the 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 actors that I've gotten along with, you know, 
They really, they they come from a sports background, you know. Cuba Gooding's an incredible athlete. Uh, Arnold is an amazing. Uh, Jackie Chan, uh, you know, uh, uh, is an athlete. Ice Cube, you know, was a damn good high school athlete, and you know, we'd throw the football all the time, you know. So there are people who just want to get in and and play, yeah. you know. Yeah. Who who aren't uh, you know who aren't you know it's it, I'm not saying we're not thinking about it but but it's a different it's a different mindset on how to approach things and and, and you're playing to win and you, you're you're giving your all and and, and and you're working hard and and hopefully creating uh, while you're doing it and uh, and that's the way uh, that that you know uh, with Arnold certainly uh, it. It was very physically demanding. Uh, I mean, just putting on one of those suits in those days. Mm-hmm. I think they're better at it now, 20 years later. Uh, uh, but you know, that was, that was virtually an hour to get Jeez. into the suit, huh. just alone. And then, then you know, and then it's 100 and it's 140 degrees inside the suit, and you got cooling vests and, and fans that built in, and uh, it's a whole operation. But I, I uh, you know. Jingle was not as successful as we had hoped it, it would be, uh, but over the years now, it seems that uh, it has only grown oh, yeah. in, in popularity. I am amazed at the quantity and quality of fan art that, that is out there that finds its way to me through Instagram and stuff, and so many of the creators of that have been so nice to send me things. Be- I mean, beautiful beautiful uh things and, and turbo man figures and uh i think this month alone there's three different lapel pin companies which is very big today doing turbo man products wow and and on and on the 23rd of december mm-hmm. uh the american cinematech is uh, uh playing jingle all the way as part of their turbocharged christmas program on a double feature with die hard at the egyptian theater in Hollywood at 7:30. That's the, uh, it begins. I'll be doing a Q&A there. Oh, great. so and, and you know I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of speaking on college campuses and and it's very interesting to me that the only thing anyone ever asks me to sign are, are copies of Jingle. And really? <laughs> yes, and it seems that it's become a lot of people's uh, go-to Christmas film. Oh yeah, I mean and, it's and, shown and, every and every so, year. So you know I mean we had a, a tough job in the marketplace uh that that arnold's previous comedy uh, uh had not done very well uh and and, and you know it, it does matter i think uh you know that, that yes people want to see stars but it also matters what their last whether or not you like their last film mm-hmm. yeah uh, a, a lot we were we were in between we came out in between space jam which was a, a huge, huge sensation, and 101 Dalmatians, which, which uh, ha- had a masterful campaign and a very, very likable film to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and we got a bit lost in, in the shuffle uh, in the opening. I mean, it's one of those films, though, that you know uh, <laughs> came up like another 35% over its first week and its second week. You know, so uh, it, but it just topped out in the low 60s, both here and overseas, and that's where Arnold's films had played 
for a while, uh, uh, with the exception of Batman, I think. Uh, uh, that you know, if you look at the you know the one, the New Year's Eve one, uh, uh, and things like that, that that followed not too far along, that uh, he was in kind of a slump before he became the governor. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, he, you know, he, he worked, he made good films. They did, the public did not have the same appetite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think you know, uh, he's a beloved figure, and we had a great time. I loved him personally. I loved his work ethic. The man showed up the first day, and not only did he know every line in the script, he knew everybody else's line wow. in the script. You know, I mean, you know, this is the transfer a transference of the same uh, work ethic he brought to bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. You know, that he's going to attack something. He's going to be the best. Yeah. And well, and he's gonna do you know he's gonna do everything it takes yeah uh, and, and you know and and I loved his team uh, and you know I think Chris Columbus and I uh, started out uh, 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 thinking you know we're gonna be best friends for life but it didn't work out that way and I think the main problem from that is you know I mean for him Christmas is the holiest day of the year. <laughs> and for me, it was an excuse to put a marching band in red vinyl Santa suits. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no doubt that, you know, it's safe to say that Jingle All the Way has now become a classic because of the way it's shown every year over and over. I mean, we see it a lot now, so, you know, probably starting in the next week or so, it's going to be shown. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> No, I, I, no one has ever called it a classic to my face. So, oh, it's so got to be. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, there's uh, no doubt. And, and uh, I'm sure you got a good laugh from, from the listening audience. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but now, one more thing before we move on. Sure. Uh, um, you were in that movie. I'm taking it. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty sure here that the CGI of the the reindeer. It had to be CGI. Uh, uh, right? No, there there is no CGI. So, so what did you do with the the reindeer? That was a puppet. Really? Uh, we had a real reindeer, and the real reindeer did. Uh, you know, you you get it going and let it go from one room, and it'll run through frame. I think you know what I know. The reason I've been successful in working with animals is a I love animals. And B, I know what they're capable of doing in a shot, and it's usually going from point A to point B. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, when you see a full-bodied reindeer, yeah, we got a real reindeer. Wow. And when you see him kind of from the chest up, he's a animatronic mm-hmm. uh, made and, uh, and uh, performed by uh, the same team who made Beethoven's head for Beethoven. Wow. Now, now, see, Brian, didn't you ever listen? They must have told you in film school or whatever that yeah. you don't work with kids and you don't work with animals, and you worked with, you know, I've Beethoven. And, yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> Little Giants, Child, uh, Problem Child 2, Leave it to Beaver, the whole thing. <laughs> How does anyone know I did did Little Giants? I was not credited for that, actually. <laughs> I, you, you did, right? You were the, uh, you uh, did I, the I, I shot 70 pages in 23 days. After they brought me in on day 54 of day 52, and they'd shot the 28 pages. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you must be like a, a, a glutton for punishment with the kids and the animals. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I was very lucky that when we did the Bad News Bear series, mm-hmm, it was my first again. single camera yeah. show. And it was being there were no young single camera directors in those days, and we were very lucky to take advantage of the fact that there were guys, you know, in their in their sixties 
who were sitting at home who didn't want to be sitting at home. Bill Asher, mm-hmm. who you know had, had owned Bewitched and produced it and directed all those. Yeah. Uh, directed a lot of them. Uh, uh, we had we had some of the guys from Leave It to Beaver and and. and uh, uh, Bruce, oh, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. The guy who directed the Get Smart pilot. Oh, wow. uh, you, you know, there were some very skilled people, and and just being on the set with them, I learned so much about working with kids. Bill Asher would pull an apple box uh, 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 down, s- uh, sit on top of it next to the lens, and he'd put the he put it, the kid uh, uh, on his mark, and they'd shoot the single. He'd go ba da 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 da, and the kid would go ba da 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 da, good ba da 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 da, da 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 da, one more time ba da 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 da, cut print, moving on, and. And uh, and and that's how you, that's how you direct kids. Mm-hmm. Um, is you you help them to uh, to know what you expect of them, uh, and and they're happy to oblige and and often give you a lot more than you could ask for. But they do. I find just need you know. It's not like you're going to say, all right, let let do something with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes they're instinctive and and, in TV people write very well for what people do well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, in in movies, you're dealing with people who have had no rehearsal, haven't been, you know, aren't going to be playing a character for 13 weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's days and their hours are terribly limited. Mm hmm. And yes, no, it's a chess game in order to shoot with kids and with and with animals. Uh, you know, I've worked with some wonderful people, uh, dog trainers, and and and, uh, and I've worked uh, with some <laughs> some real scum <laughs> as well, <laughs> including some that are very very well regarded. Huh. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, like Beethoven, uh, Carl Miller, the guy who. The guy who taught, had had a, in Babe, who did Babe, and got a duck running with a clock in its mouth. Well, you know, I was not the original director uh, of Beethoven. They brought me in. They were a couple of weeks into shooting, and so uh, you know, I had two days of prep, and a few hours of it was spent with Carl Miller. And he's showing me all this stuff the dog can do. It's walking backwards on a two by four. Seriously. <laughs> Jeez. And uh, and I look at him. I don't want him to do any of this stuff. I just want I just want him to sleep on the couch, uh, uh, steal food, and drink out of the toilet like my dogs do. <laughs> uh, uh, so well, he was horribly offended. But <laughs> Jeez. but I think time has proven me right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well, Brian, I I want to finish up with two final questions here. Sure. And uh, taking us away from all the different shows you've done and the TV shows and the movies and everything. But somebody who's so involved with TV and movies, when you sit back and relax, what are you watching on TV now and in the past? What's your favorites and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, well, let's start with the movies because my uh, I, I, people ask me, and, I, and it's taken me years to, to at least get two uh, that I can say with, with, with great confidence. And that would be Chaplin's Modern Times and Sullivan's Travels. And the third is kind of just how I feel. Usually, usually a Hitchcock, like 
like foreign correspondent or the 39 steps mm-hmm. uh and so, and sometimes a, a laurel and hardy or, or keaton like two tars or or uh or, or sherlock jr wow some of the classics. I mean, I guess my uh, old movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The new one, it's hard. I, re- I loved Wonder Woman. I just loved Guardians of the Galaxy, you know. Uh, uh, the, fir- the first one, the second one is it's okay. Uh, I, I just saw Justice League. I didn't hate that. Uh, you know, uh, I, 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 we, we see a lot of uh, small films, a lot of independent films uh, on TV, uh, you know, uh I, I, I a weekly watcher of Saturday Night Live since uh, the first show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I love uh, I love so many of the family comedies on ABC. I love to see them returning to their roots. Uh, that's what built the network. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, in the old days on on, on Thursday nights on ABC, it was Ozzy and Harriet. Mm-hmm. Leave it to Beaver, Donna Reed, and my three sons. Right, <laughs> you know, and now and now you have Blackish, Modern Family, Fresh Off the Boat, The Goldbergs. Um, you know, it, it is. You know, there there are different kinds of families, and they don't all live in the same kind of house or look the same. Right, but uh, you know, uh, I think Blackish is in very much in in, in the tradition of an ABC Family show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, I love the Big Bang Theory, uh, I, and and you know I was I was working a, a, a lot when uh, when the first few years of Seinfeld, so I didn't catch onto it till later. And and my wife and I watch it religiously for an hour, <laughs> ten and eleven every night. And uh, uh, and you know at one point we said you know we've seen every episode nine times, maybe we should try something else. Within two weeks, we were back on Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but, um, and, and, you know, the, I we've found very wonderful things to stream, like River. Uh, I watch, uh, you know, I, I only read detective and pulp fiction, so uh, mm-hmm. uh, most of my TV taste runs along those lines. Yeah. Um, and the hour stuff, but, uh, you know, and uh, what can I say? I try and see everything. At least once. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I'm you know I'm I'm an, I'm an easy audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I I can't thank you enough for joining us. It's been fun. And, yes, it has. And uh, I've enjoyed <laughs> listening to you, and uh, your stories are great. And Thanks. I thank you so much for joining us. Well, we'll do it again sometime. And a big shout-out going to Brian Levant for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, this time of year, uh, I always enjoy sitting down and watching Jingle All the Way. It's one of those movies that no matter how many times you see it, you've got to watch it again because it's just so enjoyable to watch. And uh, that's coming up. I'm sure everybody's going to be watching that one. And uh, also, uh, check out his other movies, The Spy Next Door, The Flintstones, uh, Beethoven movies, all those things. Great films. And we thank him so much for taking the time to join us here at On Screen and Beyond. And if uh, you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you're on iTunes, leave us a review and uh, send us a suggestion. You can send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on. And uh, i got to let you know that um, probably we are not going to have any more episodes between now and after the new year, until the new year, rather, because um, 
unless something comes up and somebody you know says, "Hey, I got I'm promoting a movie and I got to do it right now." And uh, that's the only reason we would have another show. But other than that, we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks here. And uh, I hope uh, that you all have a very happy Christmas, a very Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Wish you all well. And um, that's it. Uh, We will be back with our first show, of course, of the new year coming up uh, right after the new year. So I hope you're going to be getting ready for that. And we've got some great guests lined up. And that's a wrap for this week on On Screen and Beyond. And until next time when we meet, I hope you'll be joining us. And we will once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zemerak. Take care. (laughs) 